Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 644 for June 29th, 2020. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. I am delighted to welcome back to the show, managing editor of iMore, Lori Gill. How are you doing today, Lori? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I got so much good feedback from having you on the show. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody loved having you on. And um, the other thing is, last time you were on, we made a play date to do exactly this to talk about <laughs> WWDC, right? Yes, that's so exciting. <laughs> I got that message from you. Let's set up a time. And we were both talking about how it's like we're kids in a candy store because this is so exciting. This time of year for me is, uh, believe it or not, more exciting than a new iPhone because my old iPhone can be new. It's really fantastic. Yeah, that that is something you said last time. You said mm-hmm. everything old is new again. And <laughs> I was thinking about that going into it. And I don't know that I felt that as much last year, but this year, it, I mean... Oh my gosh, it's all new. Everything is new and how far back uh, devices are being supported on the new toys is really, really exciting. Yes. So I'm, I went through iMore and was able to pull out tons of different articles that you've written and other people from iMore have written to try to kind of maybe hit some things that everybody isn't talking about because, they, <laughs> I mean, oh my God, there was so There's much. There's so much, I know. <laughs> I actually wish there was a, was a game uh, demo just so I could like breathe. It was so intense, huh? That's so true. And that's something I, I'm, I'm sure everybody's already heard about what they thought of the, the pre-recorded keynote, but that's true. There's sometimes when they go into a demo, a game demo or an app demo, or even a feature demo, you kind of have a minute. You can look, <laughs> you can check it out. You can start writing your break. article. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and they didn't give it, there was no breathe, breathing room. We just went from feature to feature to feature to feature and just, they gave us so much stuff in a short period of time. I wonder how long it would have been if it had been live. You well, know, that's the thing is that they like probably would have, yeah, they probably would have kept it to something more like an hour and a half, but they would have cut out a bunch of things. So yeah. that's that's what's so great about the pre-recorded. So in my opinion, I actually prefer the live aspect of it because of the just excitement that that's mm-hmm. around it. But they they don't usually have as much. They don't usually get to say as much because they they cut some things out because they have they have to wait for the applause and stuff like that, or have to bring <laughs> developers up to show their games and apps. And as much as we miss that they were able to cram a bunch more stuff in to show us what was going on, which I think in this regard was pretty great because of the way Apple announced the um, uh, Apple Silicon Macs. They needed to dedicate some time to that to really help developers understand what was to come. And they got to really take a huge chunk of the, of the, of the keynote to explain that to everybody. So, Yeah. I, I, personally, I think I liked this better, but it might be because I was so excited about everything I was hearing. I mean, it was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yay. Oh, there's another thing. I love that. You know, I was I was the audience clapping and being all excited. So it didn't bother me. But uh, as they were going so fast through so many big things, I was like, oh, my gosh, what else are they going to say? And, you know, we we saw the arm transition coming. um, But I don't think anybody had leaked all the other stuff. Right. Right. I mean, it was a pretty low leak year. In fact, there's been a lot of hardware leaks recently. So a lot of people have been talking about what the new iPhone is going to look like, or they're talking about whether or not there's going to be a redesign of the of the iMac or the 
um, MacBook Pro or something like that. They've really been spending more time Apple tags, you know, everything mm -hmm. hardware related and not really dedicating as much time. I think we heard the musings of widgets and some of the um, features that have to do with iMessages and, and um, mentions and a few of those things, but really the, the massive feature changes that came, there was so much of it that, that we just had no clue about. There was no rumors about And I think that made it fun, right? Yeah. That made yeah. it even more fun. So we weren't immediately talking about, yeah, but what about next year? You know, because like, <laughs> we already knew all that. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing, I, I was talking my show last week uh, on the No Cast about how um, I'm really sad that I keep spending money on new Apple devices and I can't tell the difference a week later. Like I bought the Apple Series 3 watch, the Series 4 watch, and then the Series 5 watch. Now from three to four was a huge jump. But from four to five, it was like, I just paid $500 to have a watch that was always on. And because I work out so much, I had to turn that feature off. You know, it just, <laughs> it didn't feel any different from the four to the five. So I'm the idiot who's upgrading every year, but but that's what it felt like. And the iPhone 10 to the iPhone 10s was the same thing. It was like, I just mm -hmm. spent $1,000. And to be honest, I can't tell the difference a week later. Mm -hmm. Now to the 11 Pro, that was a big jump. That was a, That was a big deal. Um, but even the operating systems when, oh man, you know, here's, here's, uh, you know, every new operating system, Catalina, a week later, I'm like, what did they say was new? I got to go find it. I don't remember. <laughs> but man, you look at Big Sur, it is completely oh, wow. different. It looks completely different. It's incredible. It, it's just mind boggling how the user interface has changed so much. This is as big as when um, Apple updated, you know, they went from the skeuomorphic design to the flat design. I think that was iOS 4 mm -hmm. or was it iOS 7? Okay. I can never seven. remember. I want to say 7. There's been a couple of big ones. So I think, yeah, I think it was 7 where they, they switched over from the skeuomorphic to the flat design. And it was such an incredible change that it really felt like, honestly, it felt like your phone was new because it looked completely different. And that's what Big Sur looks like on the Mac right now. My Mac just looks like the outside of it looks different because the inside <laughs> of it looks different. It's weird to say, but it's true. The littlest things of like more rounded edges or that sort of thinner font or the the um, the, the icons that have um, three-dimensional looks to them, which they don't look that great. But, I mean, they're there. <laughs> and it, just, it makes... Yeah, it makes everything look different. So, are you recording using uh, Big Sur right now? I am not because, okay. and like I'll put this out there for anybody who's thinking about up updating to a developer beta. Um, there's a little caveat in the um, Big Sur notes that it, it was kind of buried in there, and I didn't see it. So I partitioned my hard drive. I made a, a second volume on my hard drive. I didn't actually mm -hmm. partition it. I made a second oh, I love volume. Volumes now. So easy. I, Love volume. Absolutely great. But um, what the the little the note that I didn't notice in there was that it will actually force your main volume to request the update as well. So oh. I installed it. I had Big Sur on, and it was beautiful and great. And I played around with it, and I went back to my main volume, and it was asking me to update to Big Sur. No big deal. I didn't update. Um, but right. but then I realized oh, if you want to test out Big Sur right now in the current iteration, it's going to put a, a, a pathway request to, to Big Sur on your main. So I just uninstalled everything and I uninstalled the profile. Because you might accidentally so I can, hit it. Right, you know, you just never know. And plus, you know, I like to write these articles. So, you know, I like to write how to fix these things. And so I 
make myself do it so that Uh I can say, this is what could happen. Here's how to fix it. Here's where you might come across an issue and this is what you do for it. So it was all a good learning experience to be able to tell other people what to do with it. But so right now my, um, my tester, um, MacBook pro doesn't have big Sur on it at all because I just uninstalled it over the weekend. So I can, my next step is I'm going to try, um, installing it on an actual partition and see if that doesn't make a difference because they're, they're separate drives, even though it's still part of the main drive. Yeah. It's more like booting from another, well, actually they'll be interested to know, is it really different? Whether or not it works, because some of the recommendations I've been getting from s- some wonderful people on Twitter, thank you to everybody who's been helping me with that, is the really only way to do it with this particular version of the developer beta is on a separate drive, like on an external drive. So, okay. um, you know, I'm going to try it anyway, though. You know, I'll just delete yeah. it if it doesn't work. That's the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I, you, man, you are so my people. I mean, like, let me break it. Like, are you a little yeah. disappointed when you do stuff and it just works and there's nothing to write about? Like, I I. Well, yeah, we actually, we always plan ahead for, um, you know, uh, known issues with the new operating system. We have our little like pre, you know, don't forget to write about this when it comes up thing. And we haven't actually had anything that with that for the developer betas of things of like, um, here are some common problems to, to look out for. So it's like, oh, well, everything is just working on this particular (laughs) iteration. Although in, in, you know, beta two, it could all burn down and, you know, blow our computers up. So we'll see. <laughs> you know, my friend Dorothy was uh, was saying what I told you last time, which was I'm horrified at the idea of a new OS because it was such a dumpster fire last time. And I told her I hadn't been hearing dumpster fire, but, you know, it's still new, right? It could, mm-hmm. it could go all south soon. Yeah, um, yeah. But at if least it didn't start out dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yes. It, and, and frankly, it's not even that it started out dump, dumpster fire. It landed in public laps in you know, a mostly smoldering dumpster fire. So it was definitely hard <laughs> last year. But uh, yeah, I would I would still say, though, um, for anybody who's who's just thinking about doing it and they're not sure whether they should, don't do it on a dev beta and, and don't do it on your main computer or, or device. Always sure. do it on a spare one. And if you really feel compelled to do it, wait until the public beta because that that's always going to be safer and not necessarily, you know, break your entire device. So, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I'm, this is going to jump around in the uh, show notes here, but um, you wrote a couple of articles on um, filing radars. So what is a radar and what is it you're, uh, you're teaching us in these articles? Yeah. So when you install any beta on, um, you know, I just thought, I don't know whether or not it's on the Apple watch now that I think about it. And by the way, I don't, did you notice that there's going to be a public beta for the Apple watch this year? No. Does there's that make a public be dialed beta. back? Cause you could never I don't go know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to do because this has never been done before. It was just what they announced when they announced all the things coming up. They said that there was going to be a public beta for it. So we'll find out in July and then I'll be able to tell you how that works. Cause I, oh, I have no idea. My series four watch then. I'll get yes. that, fire it back up. <laughs> yes, it'll it'll be really interesting to find out how they're going to let people downgrade. That's the key, right? Is that right, you want right. to is as like a public d- beta tester, you want to be able to downgrade. You don't want to be stuck on it. So I can picture we'll them making uh, developer betas not be able to downgrade, but a public beta, you you kind of have to, right? Right, right. I'm, that's the, I mean, in my mind. They, that's just what they have to do. Unless they misspoke and they didn't mean to say <laughs> public beta. Oh, it, was, it was pre-recorded. It had <laughs> yeah. to be, right? Right. Somebody would have caught that one. 
Yeah. So okay. Yeah, so think. filing a radar is um, you on your on your phone or on your what Mac. What is a radar? Or, Oh, it is um, feedback assistant. So there, the you get an you have an app on your phone when you download one of the betas. That's a feedback assistant, okay. and internally at Apple they call them radars. They're just kind of like making the engineers aware that they need to um, address some kind of issue. So it's it's using feedback assistant, and you know Apple lingo is that they call it filing a radar. So hmm. if you ever have an issue, file a radar. If you ever find a glitch, file a radar. Um, there's a lot of back and forth in the developer community about it not really being that great because there's so many people that are filing radars and, and oftentimes um, a developer won't get the kind of response that they're hoping for because you know somebody's too busy to address it right away or maybe it, it's been addressed by you know another department and they didn't respond to say this this issue is already being addressed under a different. Um, what have you? This year, it looks like they're doing. They're making some improvements, though. So they have um, a feedback assistant for teams. So if you and your um, your development team are working on an app and you notice that there's some issues in one of the betas that are, that's affecting your app, um, you have like the ability to kind of have a team way of submitting the information mm. to Apple. So I think that's going to help a lot in terms of what gets pushed to the top as more more important. Um, you know, again, there's thousands of people who are testing the developer beta, thousands more people who are testing the public beta. So a lot of feedback gets thrown out there. A lot of times we are submitting stuff that 17 people already did, and so they might just not address it until they close it. That's something I've noticed that when I will um, submit um, div- uh, feedback or file a radar for you know, something I notice in the the user interface, or for example, um, the mail app won't app won't open on in Big Sur. So I'll file a radar, and then I won't really hear anything for a month or so, and then I'll get a response that says this has been addressed, and that's it. There's nobody oh, but like you, d- you do get a response at all. I was surprised. I thought people never got responses at all. Yeah, I usually what happens is it's just the response is just this has been fixed or this okay. has been addressed in a different it's you know somewhere else. So that that's Heard usually you. what happens to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, I am I'm surprised that you do get any feedback because I know on the regular um feedback where you can just put in problems and stuff. I do those on occasion and it's just it's just a black hole. You know, <laughs> sometimes and be, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like I mentioned to you, oh, here's what I need you to test right away and file a radar if it doesn't work is does your iPad still wake up sideways or upside down when you're that on That hasn't uh, happened 14? at all yet. Yet. Okay. That has not happened yet. Not a single time. Because that okay. is so frustrating. I know exactly what you're talking for about. Me in 13. I mean, not yeah. very often. I think it's, I think it's slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's starting to recognize. Which Gravity. direction you're opening? Yeah, <laughs> you're opening your iPad. But so far, in and I actually have been using iPad, my iPad, a lot more um, lately with 14 on it, just because I'm really having a lot of fun testing out all the little, the little features and stuff. So I'm opening it way more often and not seeing that. I haven't seen it a single time. So okay, good. All right. So <laughs> in the show notes, there's a couple of articles about how to send beta feedback. So uh, if you're doing that. But I want to back up to where we started with everything old is new again and talk about, so Big Sur uh, is the new Mac operating system. How far back in hardware can you go to, uh, to, get, to, to get to play? Who gets to have I believe, fun? Yeah, I believe it goes all the way back to 2013 for 
pretty much anything that goes back to 2013. So I'm going to run down the list really quick right now. So um, actually, I take that back. It's not 13 for all of them because some of them are, are a little bit newer. So the MacBook, that'll be the 2015 or newer. Because um, that, that's the 12-inch, which really, they're talking 12-inch, so that was invented in 2015. So yes. you're not going to take like a white MacBook or something. Right, right. <laughs> Which okay. I actually, I have one of those. I have okay. one sitting in a box right there. Darn. Um, yeah. Uh, MacBook Air 2013 or newer. The MacBook Pro, the late 2013 or newer. Mac Mini 2014 or newer. The iMac 2014 or newer. The iMac Pro from 2017 or newer because 2017 was the first year of the iMac Pro. And the Mac Pro 2013 or newer, and that would be the previous version of the Mac Pro, the one that everyone calls the trash can, and then the current Mac Pro. So, um, Okay, so it, I was confused by when I saw the 20, I thought I saw it said 2017 or newer for iMac Pro, and I'm like, what? Why wouldn't they do the old? Oh, it didn't exist until 2017. Exactly. That was the first first year of an iMac Pro. In fact... Other than small changes, I don't think they've updated it since 2017. I think it's gotten like a new um, Intel processor and, and some graphics changes, but it hasn't changed really at all since then. So we yeah. need new iMacs. I don't, I, <laughs> I'm ready for a new design of an iMac for sure. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think about that. So the, the take the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, which is probably a large domination of the of the traditional Macs people buy, that's seven years old. You still get to have a new operating system in play. That is yes. really cool. I mean, that, we should celebrate that, I think. Absolutely. And and I, I like to talk, my iMac is um, five years old right now, and there is no way this thing is old. It, it runs like a champ. And if it, you know, if the, if Apple said, you know, from 2020 on, my iMac wasn't going to support the operating system, I'd be livid because this thing runs great and I don't want to not be able to upgrade my operating system. So knowing that they're, they push it further than they do for the iOS devices, they give them an additional few years of support, which I think is really nice. They kind of go back even further. I think most, yeah. most of it is like around the seven year mark, but, um, there it are does some seem to depend on certain things like I know when they went to metal that that was actually a hardware limitation they couldn't you know by having that feature they couldn't go back as far as you would have hoped maybe on a few models but that's correct um, and and there were some things where certain features just wouldn't work like certain uh, I think uh, continuity didn't work on older devices because they were using a different bluetooth um, yeah. iteration so I think it was like bluetooth 2 didn't couldn't support uh, continuity. So even though your computer wasn't very old, you didn't get that feature because it just your device your computer didn't Hardware have that. Couldn't um, do it. Yeah. yeah, I do remember that. I know my iPad couldn't do it. I was all annoyed. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> so how about iOS fourteen? How far back do we get to go with those? So that one um, we are talking about. Um, Everything going back all the way to the iPhone SE, my favorite, which I don't know, let me, I, I know we're doing audio only, but I, I really love the iPhone SE, the original iPhone. Aww. It's, it's really my, my dream. Chiclet. I love it. So, so yes. <laughs> so still being able to, um, use, I, and I haven't installed it. I'm going to install the public beta on the little iPhone SE because one of my favorite things to do 
is find out just how much they care about that four inch screen because usually yeah. the the design is awful when it's when it first comes out. <laughs> it's all crunched in. It's like somebody just forgot the iPhone, the original iPhone SE, and then a month or so later, a few weeks later, then you start to see all those fixes and like things aren't like laying on top of each other, and they finally <laughs> get around to fixing it. But I'm always like, ooh, filing a reader. Ooh, this looks funny. <laughs> fix well, it, fix I, it. I, I feel bad. I've started to write web apps, and when I get down to the iPhone four size or the iPhone five size, I'm like, ah, who cares about that? No, there are. You I've have no idea how many you. people love it. There are still <laughs> a lot of people who love the iPhone SE, and either it's the main phone that they use still to this day, or they've got a spare one that they that they just love to play with because still it's such love. a great size. We're a small but loud uh, community of people out there. <laughs> You're like so the opera also, users, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so um, all the way back to 2016 with um, the iPhone SE. So four years ago. Um, and I believe that's a iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus, if I'm remembering correctly. So it'll think, be iPhone yeah. SE, iPhone 6, iPhone 6 Plus, and, and On newer. On Yeah, and so then, um, iPhone 5 is cut off. Yes, yeah, and okay. the iPhone 5S, yeah. Right, right. But no, I've read that the iPod Touch is only the seventh generation and up, the 2019. Why that, would that be? I, I don't know hardware-wise why that is, other than it's possible that the, um, the uh, processor chip, which I can't remember off the top of my head what that is, but it's probably too old. I know the 2019 model, I believe, has a A10 processor, so it's oh. probably... Maybe eight um, and lower, or or eight. Maybe it might even be eight eight. And so it's it's likely that it has to do with that. That's usually when Apple has a main cutoff is whether or not the processor chip can handle the the new operating system, and that would be why they do that. Okay. Now on WatchOS, I think we can go Series three, four, and five, right? Which, so twenty seventeen introduction. Correct. Yeah, and, and interesting to me is that they've been supporting. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, two and up for quite a while. And I, even last year, I was surprised that they were keeping um, watch OS to series two. Cause that one at that point, it was like pretty old. And yeah. uh, so it's, it surprises me that they, that they pulled that from the list that it's now three, four and five. Um, well, maybe it's based on which, ba which watches still have functional batteries. <laughs> like, like if you actually have an Apple watch series two that you're still wearing, you're probably wearing it an hour and a half at a time, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, you realize maybe how teeny of a computer that is. That's still pretty amazing that three years back worth of, of devices are still supported. Yeah. It, I wish that it could go longer. And and I have a feeling that they're going, like each new Apple Watch is probably getting better and better at this kind of thing and will last longer, but I would like to see Apple Watch last five years. You know, this is a pretty big investment. And, you know, my, I, my, um, there, do I have, I have the zero, let's see. Actually, now that I think about it, I think my spare, I have a, a Series Zero, which is the first mm -hmm. one that they just changed the name of it from Series One because they have a different Series One from a year later for some right. reason. <laughs> so the Series Zero, um, and I, I have, uh, series two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that, you know, that's not that old. So it's, it's kind of, you know, I, I have a new one, so I don't have to worry about it. I have a series four. Um, but if, if that was the only one I had, I'd be a little bit bummed out that, that I couldn't update to the new features that are in the, in the more recent one. So hopefully yeah, the, the processors will get better. But 
but I'm I'm thinking about the evolution of the technology and that the rapidity with which it has changed over the last three years versus, uh, you know, a, a big girl computer. It's not really <laughs> surprising. Maybe we wish yeah. it was so, but not too surprising. Um, so talk about compatibility stuff. Um, and I'm, I want to switch gears to um, Big Sur. So I get tangled easily in the terminology here. We're going to go to Big Sur on Intel devices and on Apple Silicon. And not silicon, it's silicon. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing to argue about is how it's pronounced. Um, and by the way, it's Big Sur. The Sur gets the emphasis. That's apparently another discussion <laughs> is how do Californians really say it? It's Big Sur, not Big Sur. Anyway, uh, as we go to Big Sur, we can do it on Intel uh, Macs that we have now, and we'll be able to do it on um, on the Apple Silicon chips. But there's two technologies in there that are going to help us deal with our applications. There's Rosetta 2, and then there's Universal Apps. And I was wondering if you understand that well enough to explain what's the difference and what are we looking forward to there? Yeah, so this is Apple's way of helping developers jump in with both feet because they're saying to us, by the end of this year, your apps need to work on these new computers. And there's a lot of developers who would probably freak out if they had to have their apps ready by the end of this year to be supported on an Intel or on a um, Apple Silicon um, Mac. So what they're doing is two things for um, developers. One is uh, Rosetta 2, which it's interesting that they call it Rosetta 2 because they they did this once before when they when they upgraded um, it to to Intel on the Mac. They used Rosetta back then, but it's the same thing. It's it's a language, basically. So if you think of like the Rosetta Stone being like a language translator, this is an app translator. So without a developer having to do anything, Rosetta is on my Mac with an Apple Silicon chip, and it will interpret that app so that it works on my Mac with Apple Silicon. So the developer doesn't have to do anything and Rosetta will just be there. It'll just exist there. And so Apple will most likely support Rosetta 2 for two or three years. And that will give, actually that might change. You know, they've been, they're very aggressive this year. Yeah, they've been speeding on, up. Yeah, on getting people to like, you know, jump, jump in and, and take care of business. So it may not be that long, but... I'm going to say probably at least two years. That's my guess. That they'll support Rosetta two, and that will mean if um, Audacity doesn't want to update, doesn't want to fix it, so that it it works on a on a um, Apple Silicon um, computer, it'll work for me. So me as the consumer, I'm still happy. But the Mac developer needs to take care of business. I'm happy though because it just it just translates that information but for probably me. Probably slower. Than if they re if they update I don't know I don't think so no I don't think that that's I think it'll it'll just translate that information but doesn't it have to change clearly. instruction sets like it's I mean the old Rosetta going from PowerPC to Intel there was a price uh, a time penalty that there it was, was a, more sluggish okay so then then maybe we'll see that then maybe it'll be a little bit of a lag I, I it might be. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying, that it would be sort of a penalty being your user experience, like your customer's user experience is going to be lacking if you don't Not take intentional care of your, by Apple, just technologically, if it's translating, it's got to do extra work. It's just going to do, You yeah. would think it would slow it down. 
So, yeah, but then, I then what's universal if that's what Rosetta yeah, so Two is? Universal Two is going to be Apple's way of bridging the gap between an Intel Mac and a. Um, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say ARM, and I'm trying yeah. to break <laughs> myself way, of that habit. My text expander <laughs> snippet for writing Apple Silicon is ARM. Is Arm. <laughs> <laughs> so trigger. you're still writing arm in your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but saying yeah. the right thing. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a bridge for um, Apple Silicon and Intel because um, there's going to be in, like Apple even announced at WWDC that they are going to continue to release Intel-based Macs. I don't know how long, but they've got them in the pipeline. So that mm -hmm. means they are still going to make Intel Macs, and our computers are still going to need to work with Intel or with um, apps that run on Intel, but also run on Apple Silicon. So instead of the developer having to make an app for Intel and make an app for Apple Silicon, Universal 2 is going to bridge that gap and just make it so that it works on both. So it's okay. it's going to be a, okay. a universal design that allows for it to, to work on both of them without problem. Okay. So here's some good news about the... Um development process going to be to being able to run on Apple Silicon. Um, I wrote to a dev who I'm not going to name, but I could because he's so snarky, he would probably think it's funny that I called him out. <laughs> he is the whiniest developer I've ever met. I mean, he's always <laughs> complaining to me about everything in, in being a developer. And I wrote to him and I said, oh, God, I can't wait to hear how much whining you're going to do when <laughs> you have to rewrite your code for Apple Silicon. And I was so disappointed he wrote back, well, actually, I looked into it. And it's going to take me like maybe three days to do it. I was so mad. I love I was, to hear that, though. This yeah. is the, like on the one hand, you were hoping for some snark, which is yeah. you know you lost that. <laughs> but to hear somebody who's like ge like genuinely has frustrated experience with working with app development, who actually can say no, 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 Apple has done this thing for me to make my life easier. Like what, like it's so great to hear that they're actually yeah. helping the developer community bring, I mean, that's going to just bring more people on board and make more developers want to join the Apple, Apple community. So I, I like think to hear so. That. Yeah. The, um, I mean, you know, the marketing hype is, Oh, in like three lines of code, you can change your app, you know, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Three lines of code in 17 years of late of uh, labor, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, if he thinks it's going to be easy, it's it's probably probably going to be pretty easy. That's um, great. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to poke into was um, they they didn't actually spend as much time on this as I would have. Um, I on on the keynote, I, I also listened to the. Um, platform state of the union, which by the way, I would recommend to anybody to watch. And if you're not a developer, you can always tell when they're actually doing the development part because a bunch of code comes up on screen and you can just skip those parts and get to the juicy yep. bits again. And it's like <laughs> half again, as much information as the, as being in the keynote. So mm -hmm. it's really worth watching it. Um, anyway, what they didn't really spend that much time on was, oh, and by the way, your iOS apps are going to run on Big Sur. Okay, moving on. You know, they just kind of <laughs> they just drop them in at the end. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought I hallucinated it. I, I we were in my Slack channel. I'm like, did they just say what I think they said? So it appears to be from from what I what I've seen that they will natively just run. Like the developer doesn't have to do anything, but if they do some catalysty kind of stuff, then it'll be somehow better. But I don't so know what that I, means. The um oh I am under the understanding. I I'm 
when I get when it gets to this point, I can never remember who this came from, but I believe I watched this with the talk show with John Gruber and Craig, Craig Federici. I think this is the information where I got this information from. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, is that the developer actually has to tick a box that says, yes, I want this to be able to run natively on a Mac. So it's okay. not your app. If you don't want your app oh, in the Mac store, it's yeah. not going to appear there without your permission. You actually have to say, right. yes, I want it to be able to be that on an app sense, on a Mac. That kind of makes sense because maybe you had the same app on two platforms and you're make, making money twice. Exactly. Because you know, it was a lot of work to do both. Exactly. Or you have a better running version that you want people to use on the Mac and they have a different version on their iPhone and you really want them yeah. to use the better version on Mac. You can say, no, don't let my iPhone version right, right. appear on a Mac. But you know, once you take that box. Say the union too. So yeah. Okay. Once you tick that box though. Yeah. Then, then yes, I'll, it's, it just appears. You, you can down, <laughs> you can even download it from the Mac app store. Even though it's an yeah, iPhone they said app. it'd be in your purchased <laughs> apps. It, uh -huh. that all your purchased apps would show. Mm -hmm. Now, when they got into talking about Catalyst, I think this was where I understood that that if if you just tick the box and you do no Catalysty kind of stuff to your app, then it will be translated upon uh, upon installation. Mm -hmm. But if you do the Catalysty stuff, it'll already be translated. So maybe it's a little slower to launch the first time, or is that the only difference? No, there's there's differences. There's a lot of little differences that have to do with user interfaces. So if you um, develop it with, with Catalyst, you can do things like add the little sidebar that you can use on iPad or the um, contextual mm. menu dropdowns that you can use on Mac for, for apps. You won't be able to do uh -huh. that if you only have an iOS app on the, on the Mac. So it's not going to be the, an ideal experience for the consumer if it's a touch-based, um, a touch interface. a touch interface um, uh, app on your Mac. But if you translate it to Catalyst, then you can you know add those little things that make it just a little bit better on Mac, so that it's a more Mac friendly version with clicking instead of tapping, you know, so and maybe you like get hover extras would exist. Would that be the kind of thing like hover doesn't exist on the on iOS because you can't hover with your finger, but you can with a Mac. Maybe that would be something that might exist. That's, that's an example. Of exactly. Of okay. Of, of the kinds of things that will like Catalyst will allow you to make it a little bit better experience for the user. Now, I think this is fantastic that they've done this because even with Catalyst, there are still developers out there who have amazing iOS apps or iPadOS apps, and they just don't want to deal with it. So they, yeah. uh, you know, put it using turning it, putting it on the Mac Store as a Catalyst app. They're just kind of like, meh, we're done with it. We're we've got our iPhone app, we've got our iPad app. This lets people, me, who really really want to use that app on my Mac, but the developer doesn't want to use it on the Mac. They just, all they got to do is tick that box and now I can use it on the Mac and they didn't have to do anything to do the, the catalyst transition. And then probably once they realize that there's a lot of people who really like using their app on, on the Mac, they might go, hmm, 
maybe we should develop a catalyst app and and it's actually put in some fun little extras and and make it a better user experience for our customers and then you know then they detick the or untick the box for the iOS app and then add the catalyst app you know the first thing i thought of when i saw this was oh man i can finally have instagram on my mac <laughs> like, like you can go to Instagram.com, but there's no plus button to add a photo. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you go you and look at Instagram. You can't add a photo. So I run a uh, like a fluid app thing. Mm-hmm. So I've got it's an app specific browser thing, and it tricks it into thinking I'm iOS. So it mm-hmm. lets me re- have a plus button, but it's like super janky. You know, it's just yeah, it's really not a good experience. Um, but then I started I, just as you were talking about some of the great Mac or iOS apps that are not available on the Mac is like Ferrite, the uh, audio editing application people are Mm -hmm. in love with on the iPad. That could be a full-fledged app on the Mac too. And that would be, that would be exciting. I like to try out new audio apps, you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, one thing I thought about when in thinking about iOS apps being on the Mac is that a lot of the pundits are always hand-wringing that uh, this is the demise of Mac OS. Whatever just happened, this is the device of macOS. It's over. They don't care about it. But there was a great quote in the Platform State of the Union, and I don't pay attention to anybody's names because I can't remember them anyway. But the quote was, and I'm going to say it right here, Macs will stay Macs the way you know and love them. That's that was correct. A, that was a big statement, I think. Yeah. And they said, you'll still be able to create multiple volumes with different operating system versions. You'll still be able to boot externally. Macs will still be amazing Unix machines for devs running any software they like. Yes, they're not going to take away your command line. Or they're not going to take terminal <laughs> away. That's not what's happening. Though, I do have to point out, and I don't know exactly like the the way this starts, but um, Macs with Apple Silicon will not support boot camp at least at launch unless some huge changes happen between now and the end of this year. So what's happening is that... Um, uh, Windows or Microsoft does not support Macs with um, ARM ARM-based Macs, um, so they don't they don't they don't license it. So okay, Apple just decided because right now because Windows doesn't or because Microsoft doesn't support ARM-based Macs, we're not going to worry about bootcamp. That does not mean that, that they won't do this at a later time, but that's part of the current. Um, Launch, so that's why they're pushing virtualization, um, which is using um, like parallels or um, VM oh, I, Fusion. I wish, VM Fusion. Um, there, yeah, there's a couple of big ones that that are really popular. So they're saying virtual virtualization is perfect on on Apple Silicon Macs um, <laughs> because. They, they run really great. You don't need boot camp. You don't need the, the same things that you think that you need in your current Mac iteration. Virtualization is going to be fine. I think, however, there's enough people out there. I, I think it's a small percentage of people that use boot camp, but I think that that percentage are real loyal fans to Apple and they're going to be a little bit frustrated and they're going to speak out pretty loudly that they want boot camp. And I think that at some point, um, Microsoft and Apple are going to be able to work that out so that there will be a license for um, Intel or sorry for uh, Apple Silicon Max. It, it just won't be the first iteration, iteration. of, of yeah. the Mac, I think. So that is, that is important to note that it isn't necessarily Apple saying no. It might be Apple not negotiating very hard with Microsoft. It might be all kinds of things, but Microsoft doesn't, uh, doesn't 
support doesn't license it. So therefore, and, that, it's and not that's there. also not not that Microsoft won't either. It's just that this right. is like the here and now. You know, like right. it could be we money. We have too, no right, idea. Though? Yeah, right? yeah. It could have it, been app. They asked Apple for a bunch of money, and Apple said no. Or nah. it could be <laughs> no, probably not. Um, but I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting to think about. I, I do think it's interesting to think about um, boot camp. And you say those people are loyal to Apple. I have an entire sample set of two <laughs> <laughs> people I know who run boot camp on a regular basis. And one of them, they bought a Mac Pro. The uh, it was before the cheese grater. They brought a Mac Pro and immediately put Windows on it and never ever ever. Put Mac like went into Mac OS. Never. They bought it to be a really good PC. <laughs> now that's not that's somebody great. who loves Apple. That's not an Apple right? loyalist. No. That's someone who I don't know had money to light on fire because yeah. they could have done it cheaper. But anyway, they did. And the other person pretty much hates Apple and runs boot camp. I mean, like tolerates the operating system, but they actually really truly hate the company. So my entire <laughs> sample set of two disproves the loyalty. Yes, yes, but, exactly. But they are loud. They're both loud. <laughs> I, I do think that this is something, you know, that I think it's it go it's on par with with getting rid of terminal. I I think that they're going to bring it back. They're going to make it happen at some point. It just won't yeah. be right away. That's my opinion on that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That could be. Well, I want to make sure we get to the next point. You wrote a really in depth article about the accessibility improvements in, um, I guess it's in both operating systems. And so I went through and just kind of dropped the headlines into the show notes, hoping you remember what you wrote about each one of these. <laughs> yeah. um, but there were They're pretty cool. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were really excited about it. So maybe you could walk us through what you remember from okay. all those so pieces. So we'll start with um, headphone accommodations. I'll be as fast as I can about this because there is a lot. No, no. It's so really take time. <laughs> headphone accommodations means that um, so different people with different hearing needs um, have different hearing needs. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, for example, I have tinnitus, so I can't listen to things that are very bright. Like it hurt, it actually hurts my ears. So I tend mm. to EQ my headphones lower. I prefer um, headphones that have a, a, a louder bass and not as much brights. So with um, headphone accommodation, I can actually customize the way it sounds when I'm listening to music versus the way it sounds when I'm talking to people, like voice conversations versus oh. um, how I'm listening to, um, I, I, there's a third one. Let's see if I can remember. Um, so it, and it, it allows you to do it not just Which per- Which OS are you um, talking about right now? I'm uh, sorry. Um, this will be iPhone OS or uh, iOS 14 and iPad OS 14. So, okay. and in fact, I, I think there was something about the watch too. Maybe uh, there is there is stuff about the watch. I th I think this one goes across all of the operating systems. I, a lot of this is across all of the operating systems because mm -hmm. that's what you know. Apple's really good with accessibility. They try to make sure that it works across all things. So um, just I'm just checking. It's driving me crazy that I can't remember what that third one. So is. she's looking at her iPhone. I right know now. she's going into accessibility. <laughs> Trying to find it. Going down 438 different levels. I know so there's so many. There. <laughs> um. So Audio, visual, headphone accommodation. Here we go. Um, so it's balanced tone, vocal range, and brightness. And then, so with each one of those, you can also adjust it to have different um, strengths of that. So if I want it to be vocal range strong, 
I can adjust for that. And then I can have a different customization that would be brightness slight. So from, you know, my tinnitus, it would lower the brightness when I'm listening to, um, to, uh, phone conversations or something like that. Um, so that allows for like these very layered customizations for people with different hearing needs. And that's, it's, it's all customizable so that even like later down the road, when your hearing needs change, you can adjust that as well. I have a feeling this is also going to get more features as times time goes by, because I think, you know, as great as this is, there's a lot, there's a, v- a huge range of needs for um, different hearing needs for people. And even people who have never traditionally had hearing um, hearing issues, as we get older, that changes too, you know. So it'll be great yeah. to see how that goes. You know, I, I, I've talked to the audience, I think about this before, but a friend of mine had his, uh, asked me to come talk to his father-in-law to help him. He had a very sudden loss in vision. And he asked me if I'd come over to the house and help him. And uh, the first thing I found out when I walked in the house was that he's also very hard of hearing, which they hadn't told me. And so we sat down to talk, and it was six of us around the table, his daughter and his, uh, and, and his wife and son-in-law and everything. And so they're all of us around the table in a kitchen with a, you know, a tile floor, and the guy's hard of hearing. And, and I asked him whether he knew about the, the hearing function on the iPhone where you can set it in the middle of the, of the table if you have the right kind of uh, uh, hearing aids. And he did. He had Bluetooth hearing aids. And we turned it on, and he about fell out of his chair. Because his daughter speaks about like this, and she mumbles, and she speaks at the exact frequency you can't hear. I mean, she I could barely understand her. And he went, <laughs> I can hear her. Oh. And it was the first time he heard his daughter in like two years. Hadn't been able oh. to hear a darn thing she said. And then my friend texted me later that they went out to a restaurant, and he was able to order uh, from the waitress by himself for the first time in years. Because yes. he just put the phone near her, and he was able to hear every word she said. Right. So oh, these I things love are, are life changing. I know. I know. It gives me chills. I did. I yes. helped him a little bit on 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 the visuals. You know, he had learned a lot on his own. But the the uh, earphone. The Helen Keller said um, that being blind uh, isolated her from things. Being deaf isolated her from people. And I always think about that is that if, you know, that's a huge deal to be able to hear yeah. things in the way you need to hear it. So Yes. Yeah. I, the, yeah. And the, that is also the kind of feature that is, it's useful to everyone because even if you don't actually have any significant hearing loss, um, like I have trouble just paying attention to a conversation one-on-one if I'm in a loud environment like a bar. So mm. I can, you know, use my AirPods. I don't need hearing aids. I can use my AirPods and turn that on and just set it next to the person that I'm talking to. And I can pay closer attention to the conversation oh, I'm I having with them. And it drowns out all of the other talking that's going on so that I'm actually, I'm not going like, what'd you say? What'd you say? You know, it's, it's not right there. Not having to work so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, So the next thing is um, sound recognition. And that is, um, it will, you can set your iPhone to recognize if a smoke alarm is going off, if your doorbell is ringing, if a um, siren is going by. So um, if you have hearing needs, um, you can actually set your phone to 
buzz or flash or any other way that you have your notifications set up so that you can be alerted to some sort of envir loud environment sound around you. Apple also said that they will be adding other sounds to it, re sound recognition things to it, including things like the sound of dogs barking. So um, hmm. if you're sitting around in your house and your dog is barking at the front door, it will recognize that, send you a little notification, let say, you know. I think most people want to turn off the sound of dogs barking. <laughs> <laughs> Can it work that way too? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if you could just turn off your dog? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you it know, is um, good for people who do have hearing hearing needs and they, you know, and they have this wonderful puppy who lets them know when the doorbell is ringing, but they they don't know that that's happening because they're in another room. So... The only problem is everybody who has a ring doorbell has had this happen before where someone on TV has a ring doorbell and their dog runs <laughs> oh, to the front door. It happens all the time to us because they, they, man, they were so smart in the marketing of that ring. You oh, know? man. Everybody yeah. knows it. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was I'm a big fan of the Wise cameras and all of the Wise devices. And one of the things the Wise cams can do is they can recognize smoke alarms, too. And, and so your notifications that you get from mm -hmm. the Wise app can tell you that the, your smoke alarm is going off. And mm -hmm. that was the first time I knew that smoke alarms apparently have like a defined frequency band or something. That uh, There's some standardization to know that they all are going to make essentially the same, the same sound. Right. Yeah. It's not about the volume. It's, it's not recognizing the volume of the sound. It's recognizing the frequency of, of yeah. the sound. Yeah. 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 So that's cool that your iPhone can do it too. Neat. Yeah. Yeah, your iPhone will be able to do it. You don't have to have a special um, device. You don't even have to download an app. It'll just be right there on your phone. Um, FaceTime sign language recognition, which is, mm -hmm. this is so impressive to me. So if you have ever had a group um, FaceTime chat, um, usually, so you can actually change this now so that they're all stationary and they don't change. But if you, <laughs> if you use the default setting, um, the person who's talking, their bubble gets bigger. So they right. they become the prominent bubble in the conversation. So in iOS 14 and iPadOS 14, and I believe Mac OS Big Sur, um, the, the person, uh, if a person is speaking in sign language app, the, the FaceTime recognizes that and makes that the prominent Bubble. No way. So oh, even that's if, crazy. So no sound at all. It's, it's, it, yes. it can tell your fingers are moving. Exactly. It wow. recognizes sign language and then makes that the prominent, um, the prominent bubble in the conversation. <laughs> and, and it will even work when there are people who are speaking with their voices and then other people speaking in sign language. So which, you know, whichever person is doing the talking that in whichever way they're doing crazy it. Crazy cool. Oh, it's that's really, really, impressive. really nifty. Yeah. yeah. You know, people are going to mess with it and do what I'm doing for her on video right now. It's just wiggling my fingers. <laughs> just find out how that works. It's like, Obnoxious will it really jerks. recognize your actual language or is it just recognizing that hands are moving in the screen? Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Um, so then there's, um, so there's some more um, hearing health updates. So Let's see. Um, reading your notes, actually, that you put in here. Oh, I, th um, I think the hearing health thing was about when your audio when the audio is too loud. I know WatchOS uh, Series Four and up will will notify you if there's too if you're subjected to noise over a period of time. Yes. Yeah, so um, it's right now it's the noise app on your Apple Watch. Um, that's that's how that works. And you get a little notification that says you know you're in an environment that's above a certain decibel. So the updates are including more information about that hearing health. So instead of just you're in an environment that's above a recommended decibel level, it says 
um, you know, on Tuesday, it'll say for this week, you've, uh, you've maxed out your recommended decibel level. So if you don't want rock to, concerts, Lori. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to worry about suffering from hearing, um, loss or, you know, hearing issues, you should probably go to an environment, put some earplugs in, go to an environment that's not as loud. So it lets you, hmm. um, establish more than just one day at a time or one moment in time. And you, th- it's also going to offer a, like a 30 day outlook of the different, t- uh, times, and environments in which you were, um, ha- you know, in loud environments. This is so, I'm, I'm in a, a, a band, so I'm in, well, for the last three months, I haven't been in any loud <laughs> environments, but I'm usually in loud environments um, three days Your a week. Your ears are probably so. going, whoa. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I do wear earplugs. <laughs> oh, good, good. So this, uh, these changes, this is still specific to the Apple Watch? So now it's also going to be available in the health app on your iPhone or iPad. Uh, is Probably the health I, app on the iPad? I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. So I'm going to say yeah. iPhone because I don't think the health app is on the iPad. Um, so, yeah, you'll be able to see that information. Um, but collected on, so, by the watch? The what? But collected by the watch? Still, it is it collected. the watch. It is collected by the watch. I don't think that this information is collected on just your iPhone. So I believe you still have to have an Apple Watch okay. to use it, but you can view the health app information on the iPhone. Isn't it kind of funny? Wouldn't you think it'd be the AirPods that would be collecting the information? <laughs> that, that might come in a future set of AirPods. You never know. Yeah, you would think. You would think. The only time mine goes off is I wear my watch in the shower and the water hitting the shower, or the oh, yeah. water hitting the face sets it off. No. Yeah, I've had it happen two or three times. That's so funny. <laughs> so the sound of a shower is is not healthy for your ears. Now we the, know. Of the water hitting it. I think if you, the water obviously isn't hitting your ears the way it is the watch, <laughs> but it's like bam, bam, yeah. bam, bam on the surface of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I, well, that's cool. Yeah, so now um, moving over to uh, uh, vision. So we've got more voiceover recognition stuff. So... Um, previously or currently, actually, I should say, when you use voiceover um, and voice controls, uh, it will read things like a button. So it'll say probably a button, you know, mm-hmm. um, for, so so that you know where where to push it or you know when to right. to tap on it. So um, in iOS 14, they're adding tables and um, uh, lines, sliders, and all that kind of stuff. They're they're updating it so that even if an app developer forgets to include those descriptors, it'll automatically recognize them and it'll say something like probably a slider. And okay. you know, by using the term probably, they're hoping that the developers will also go, oh, that's right, I gotta make sure that I put these, dis- these voiceover descriptions in here so that people know what these are. Um, it and used then- to be that you weren't supposed to use that descriptor because like, if, you, if you wrote back button, then what the voiceover user would hear was back button button because it already was a button. If you'd use the UI kit or whatever it's called for that, uh, it would have it was already going to so tell it would, them it was a button. So you'd hear it twice. Uh, so I'm wondering, but but maybe I, now it's maybe it never had sliders and and it didn't have sliders things. before. Huh. But I'm wondering if they've maybe changed it because the way that that it was described to me, it was encouraging developers to actually 
write their own descriptors Full in labels. There. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good, good. So I, th- I think they've, they must've fixed that then so that you can do that in it. And, um, you're the one who gets to put in what it looks like instead of it saying probably or something like that. So it's one of and those then things that's not that hard to do from what I've been told by developers who have, have done it correctly. But if you don't even, tr- and if you don't even try, you get some of it for free, but if you don't use the standard elements that Apple gives you, then you mm. don't get as much of it done for free for you and you have to go in and write it up yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's good for everybody for, you know, there may come a time where we have vision needs and we want to be able to tell what's going on. So it works for everybody for this to be done. So Apple yeah, a friend of mine doing that- more. Yeah. A friend of mine said that uh, their community refers to us as currently abled. <laughs> That's a good, <laughs> Which a good is way a good to point, right? Think, if yep, you think yep. of yourself as currently abled, then you care a lot more about this than if you go, no, I've got nothing <laughs> wrong. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a really good descriptor. Currently abled is perfect. Like with there, we will all probably have vision and hearing loss to some degree before the end it's of like our you days. Hope you, so. you hope you live long enough that that's something you're worried about. It's <laughs> like have, losing your close vision, for example. If you never lose your close vision, you might not be past 40, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. definitely. And they're also um, doing better with um, con- contextualizing image descriptions. So hmm. instead of a, something like, um, the way it was described to me is, um, instead of an, an image showing... Um, two people sitting at a table in a, in a chair or two, two, pe- two chairs and a table, two people sitting, it'll say something like two people sitting in a restaurant enjoying a meal. So that gives a better visual descriptor that takes mm. into context more than literally the objects in, in the image, but it takes all of the environment into account so that the descriptions are better um, to interpret that makes me um, and realize I'm not doing as good of a job with my own alt tags because I would have said two people sitting in chairs, and I would have felt like, whoa, I really stepped <laughs> That's out good enough. a lot extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do uh, sometimes uh, I, put jokes in for the blind people. And, oh, that's so you know, great. Just like make a little crack about something, you know, because you yeah. got to entertain yourself, right? <laughs> and them, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they're they're the ones that are going to get a kick out of it. So yeah. Um, there's a, there's updates to Swift. They're adding a lot more, um, co- just in general, they're adding a lot more um, ex- uh, site accessibility coding help. Um, hmm. So preview, uh, the Swift preview that they showed off at WWDC, there's, um, there's going to be vision accessibility versions of that. So I think they're calling it uh, blind Swift preview so that there's um, more... Uh, descriptors and ways for pe- people that are sight impaired to continue to code. Um, so that's in Swift. And I believe uh, Xcode, they're doing the same thing. There's going to be additions oh, cool. to um, vision impairment uh, for, for coding things in Xcode as well. Um, so then Backtap, nice. I think you've probably heard about this one. Um, so I, I've only vaguely heard, um, forget if I confess at the, at the beginning, but I took a week off from pretty much all tech and other than seeing the keynote and then I watched nothing and listened to nothing. So it, it, describe what Backtap is. Yeah, so Backtap, um, it's an accessibility te- uh, uh, feature that Apple implemented for people who have mobility needs. So if, for example... Uh, you want to take a screenshot. So normally to take a screenshot on, say, an iPhone 11 Pro, you would hold down the side button and and one of the volume buttons. That's how you take a screenshot. If you have mobility needs, it may not be that easy for you to press those buttons. So instead, you can map taking a screenshot to tapping the back of your screen two times. So if you just double tap, 
you've just made something happen on your phone. In my case, I actually mapped it to Control Center just to do it. Um, huh. So let me, so I'm tapping the back of my screen twice. Okay. And it just brought calls, Control Center, uh, just Control up. Center up. So yeah. that was just me testing it out. There's, there's dozens of pre-made um, templates for what you can do with that. It can call up, um, you know, assisted touch, and it can call up a, a bunch of different accessibility needs. It can call up some basic features like taking a screenshot or turning on or you know, calling up um, a control center or the home screen. But there's also an accessible or one of the features is a shortcut. So you can actually oh, no. map it to do anything that you can do in shortcuts. So if you wanted to turn on your camera and start filming, or if you wanted to open up a Google Assistant, which is what a lot of people were doing, this is one of those great <laughs> accessibility features that also benefits everyone, which is, again, a great reason why everybody should be developing for accessibility, because it turns out they're also good for everyone else. So <laughs> this, is, this is intended to help people with mobility issues, but everybody gets the benefit of something fun. And it, you can double tap or triple tap, and you can map two of them. So you can map one to a double tap and one to a triple tap. Oh, you know, I'm totally doing it to set it up to turn on the camera because I don't I know it's right on the home screen and it's right there. <laughs> and I know if I press hard enough, it'll come up. But it's, you know, the baby's already gone by the time I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. So double tapping it. It's right there. It's in your hand. You just tap it and then you've got it right there in your in your hand. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I wonder one. what Rosemary Orchard's going to do with it. She'll probably turn on all the lights in her house, uh, turn on her stereo and cook dinner by the time she's done with her, <laughs> her uh, uh, stuff. So. Totally. It's the um, double tap to turn on all the lights and the triple tap to cook dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the, do and then and the then dog's the been quieted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tell the dogs to be quiet. Magnifier is another one. Um, so there's also there's changes to Zoom. They're they're adding some better features to Zoom so that um, the the little Zoom thing that shows up on your screen just it's it fills up more space. You can adjust it visually. Um, it's customizable. But for me, Magnifier, um, I'm just you know as I'm getting older, I'm I need um, to to zoom in to see to see things. Mm -hmm. I have my readers with me. There's so many times where I'm at the store and I'm trying to read some instructions or some ingredients and I just can't see it. And I I use Zoom to 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 view it all the time. So right. there's new additions to Zoom that will um, use up more space on the screen. So you know instead of it only kind of taking this this one sort of it's it's sort of like a as if your camera were close up. It's it's kind of what right. it looks like. And but somehow so different now, than that. A lot of people somehow said, why different. don't you just pinch to Zoom? But somehow it is. I, I haven't ever been able to quantify what's different, but it's different. It's, part of it's it, actually, it'll, it'll freeze it is part of it, right? Yeah. And it's it's actually magnifying it. So zooming on your screen, it gets it blurs a little bit. It doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't quite get that same effect. But um, when you're using Zoom, it's actually magnifying the screen. So it's making okay. that big. That's why they you don't you can't save those pictures when you take them. They don't save anywhere. They they just disappear right. when you're done looking at them. Um, so so yeah. So there's a. It's gonna you allow you to use a wider amount of space to to get that image, and okay. you can take multiples at the same time, and they're stored in a little file for you. So if you need to see something that's long or big, you need multiple oh. views of it. Um, instead of taking one picture and then having to take a second and look at the second, but losing the first, they're there in this little 
folder like that you can look at. Temporary holding place or mm -hmm. yeah, they don't say forever, right? They don't say forever. It's okay. a temporary holding place where you can just look at them all side by side so that you can see, you know, something over here and then something over here on okay. the same screen, you can actually look at them and tap and, and look at them that way. So some good little improvements for the Zoom there. My favorite, um, my favorite story about that, that specific problem you're having now is I remember calling in for support on my, uh, on my internet and, and the woman asked me to read off the uh, MAC address from the modem and it's on the bottom of it. And, she, and I said, honey, I can tell there's a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I either have to go get a magnifying glass or a teenager, one or the other, but yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> right. That's about no, where I'm I at. There right was now. a white rectangle and there was some yeah. stuff on it, but that was it. There was no <laughs> other information available to me. Yep. And there's, yeah, there's, there's other, um, there's a lot of other little things that are, that are coming. I can't remember them all, but those are the big ones. So I think, um, those, those are the things that I wanted to, to get through for you. Okay. Oh, that's great. Because I, I haven't heard anybody talking about those things. I want. Can we squeeze in one more topic? Absolutely. I, I read um, on iMore, of course, um, about... Thank I you. sound like such a fangirl, but geez, it's such a great site. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, glad. I'm glad. Anytime I need something, that's, that's where it's going to be. <laughs> um, with the new Apple Silicon... There appears to be some big changes with how you get into modes of like recovery mode or safe mode. And right now, I don't know about you, but I always, 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 always have to go look up is it a command shift option P R and throw salt over your shoulder? Which, you know, which one of these 28 different things do I could do is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me right now off the top of your head, do you know how to get into internet recovery? Should be easy, right? Yeah, no, I don't right? know that one. I think it's I know only three keys, and yet we forget it because it's just not something you we don't do, do it often, all the time, right? Yeah. So recovery mode, just recovery mode. That's easy. That's Command R, right? Everybody knows that one. But then there's but Command you, Shift R is slightly different, and that's, right? And that one is internet recovery. <laughs> oh, it and is. That's the one that lets you install um, an earlier version of an operating system. So there's these, all these little things. They're literally buried. We don't know them unless we look them up. We have an article on iMore that there's actually 13 different things that you can do <laughs> when you boot up your Mac for the first time. I didn't even know about it when we wrote that. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? You can do that? 13. I didn't know. Oh my a lot gosh. of it is is a lot of them are things that usually you know tech support would do. They're not really intended for like the day to day. Like people, the system you know. diagnostics thing they make you do, where the diagnostic gets sent to them. That yeah. would be one, right? But that would do be you one of them, good. right? And you're you're probably never going to need it, but the one time you do, you don't have to look it up now because in um, at Max with uh, Apple Silicon. It's going to be a drop-down menu. It's going to be a, every single time you boot up your computer, you press the power button, you're going to have an options drop-down menu. It's just right there for you to look at. You don't have to memorize any keyboard shortcuts. They're just right there. And that's such a pleasant experience because <laughs> I, every year, when I when I install a beta, I go through all that process. You have to, um, if I'm a partition in a drive or if I'm adding a volume to a drive, I'm hitting recovery mode to remove something or add something. Sometimes I'm deleting switching a hard drive. Switching disk and or which disk you're booting disc. up from. Yeah. So explain it to me again, though. You press power, but pressing power shuts my Mac off. Well, if you're, you're always going to have to restart. So you, oh, but holding you, it while it boots up, you mean? 
that yes, oh. you don't have to hit like you know when you restart, you don't have to try to press three keys at the same time and hope that you got it right. It'll right. just turn it on and then immediately you've got your option to either oh, just nice. open your startup disk or you can pick an option to to start in recovery mode or one of the other options. So I wonder how what that conversation went like when somebody went, hey, does it bother anybody else how hard this is to remember? Is there an easier way? Well, we could put it on a button. I know. <laughs> let's do that, oh, right? Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, but that that's something that never would have occurred to me uh, to to do that, or that they could fix that. Like, I, I my imagination think, so small, it never would have occurred to me. And I, so I think this might have something to do with Intel chips versus Apple Silicon chips. I don't oh. have any co- confirmational information about this. But what I do know is that um, Apple Silicon chips are already allowing Apple to do a lot that they couldn't do with Intel chips just because of the na- the nature of the X68 or 86, 86 sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The X86 chip. Um, this might oh, be one of those things. Because it's not coming to Big Sur on Intel. Right. It's, it's only coming it's, on the Al- Apple Silicon chips. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll forgive them for that. There was one <laughs> other tidbit in your in that article that you wrote about this um, was – Target disk mode is not called target disk mode anymore. It's going to be something else. They're 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 sunsetting it. They're getting rid of it, um, and they're replacing it with a, a. I think it's called Apple sharing mode. I think it was Mac sharing mode. I Mac think sharing wrote. mode. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really know the the details and the differences about this. This is uh, this is just some bits of technology that I'm not totally familiar with, but um, uh, the impression that I get from it is that it's. It's all part of the way that Apple could um, access your Mac remotely. I think it might have something to do with 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 that. So, well, I think in your article you referred to it that Mac sharing mode would turn it into an SMB file server. So, in that case, if it's on your network and it's an SMB file server, maybe that's how you're going to just mount it over SMB to another uh, Mac, yeah. for example, to move the data. Yeah. Okay. So yes. See, this this is all a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. I'm not super comfortable or familiar with this stuff. So okay. what you're describing actually makes the most sense. So that sounds right. Well, yeah. I read most of it in your article, but I, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can't remember who I who I talked to last week. So, <laughs> well, we we could obviously go on for seven or eight more hours. Uh, we did try to just cherry pick some things. I think we're a little bit off the beaten path to to talk about and dig into. And I I really enjoyed talking to you about it. I enjoyed talking to you about it. I think we're both very s- similar in the things we get excited about. And, and this, <laughs> there's plenty of stuff to be excited about. And we didn't even talk about the exciting things. So No, no. We set well, aside all the, the big stuff. We, we <laughs> set aside stuff, the yeah. big stuff. And it only took us an hour and nine minutes to describe these little pieces we wanted <laughs> to talk about. But if people want to follow you, obviously, they go to imore.com and you're the managing editor there. Uh, you have a Twitter handle they should follow you. Yeah, I'm at Appleholic, misspelled. That's A-P-P-A-H-O-L-I-K. That's how you ah. find me on Twitter. Um, and I'm at Lori Gill at most of the other social things, but you probably will only find me on Twitter. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. And you okay, can also great. email me if you want to tell me a story or ask me a question or get some help. I'm Lori at imore.com. L-O-R-Y. Right. Well, great. 
This is so much fun. Thanks for coming on, and we'll have to think up something new to talk about. Maybe when the uh, after the betas come out, the next beta comes out, maybe we can play some more about what we think is fun. I'll probably yeah. wait and do the public beta, I think, uh, on some spare devices. And by then, I'll probably have a couple of weeks under my belt so we can talk about things. And when you're looking for something and and trying to find, you know, where's that one feature? I will hopefully remember where it is and we can <laughs> talk about how to get to it and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah they said July. So that's what, two yeah, days from now? <laughs> I know. <laughs> or who knows how soon? 32 days from now, one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Lori. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla Castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.